Good morning, good morning. If you can go ahead and wrap up the conversations and get back to your seats this morning. Hey, church, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. Uh, and I just want to welcome just all of our guests and those who are visiting us for the first time. And for those of you that are also online, uh, just joining us this morning in worship for the first time, we just want to say welcome and thank you uh, for joining us this morning. Uh, my name is Johnny Gonzalez, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to say that it is the joy of my life to be able to serve you in this way and in this capacity. It really is the honor of my life. Uh, I've, I've said that multiple times, so I won't say it no more other than to say, love you guys so much. Hey, today uh, is family service. And so, uh, so if you're wondering, if this is your first time with us and you're wondering why are there so many kids in here? Well, number one, because we're, we're blessed people. Okay. <laughs> But then number two is because periodically throughout the year, we just want to take some time where we invite our kids to come in into worship service with us to be able to worship alongside uh, moms and dads, parents, aunts, uncles, grandmothers, and alongside the greater family of God so that they know that they have brothers and sisters who are with them, who are praying with them, walking with them, encouraging them. And so just know, uh, parents, if you are in here, uh, if you're trying to quiet your kids down, just, hey, relax. It's going to be okay. And you're not bothering me any because I'm actually taking that as encouragement in the event that you're not saying amen or preach it, Johnny, or anything. I know that they're talking to me, okay? <laughs> and so with that, with family service, here's what I want to know. Is there someone in here who has been... Uh, uh, who, who has been saying, man, I just need something to be able to disciple my kids. Uh, I feel like the Bible in many ways is great. I love the word of God, but I, I want something to be able to reach them at their level. Uh, periodically, I know Macy, Donnie, uh, Tapey, Macy, who's our elementary and kids pastor and then uh, our director. And then we also have Nancy and Angela who are over our early childhood. They just provide resources throughout. And one of those that we just use particularly in early childhood, is to use the Jesus Storybook Bible. I'm not promoting it other than to say, I use this with my family, with my kids, and I know that it's been a blessing to be able to lead them. So I didn't know, I want to know if there's a family or if there's a mom or a dad in here that says, I don't have one of those and I'm looking to be able to serve my kids. Uh, it's right here. Come on. Who's, who's coming? Who's coming? Okay, May. Marie will get you. I saw you coming. So just find me after service and I'll, I'll get you one of those. Okay. Uh, second, I want you to also pay attention to uh, the seat back in front of you. Some of, so some of you have uh, black Bibles there in the front. If you are visiting with us or you, or you have been coming with us for some time and you say, Johnny, I don't have a Bible. I want you to know that that is our gift to you. So you can take that. Okay. If you have a Bible at home, don't take that. Next Sunday, just bring your Bible, okay? But for today, the reason why we provide that under your seats is so that you can uh, just use the Bible, have something in your hand rather than just looking up at the screens, although the scriptures will be on the screens, but it's so that you can engage with scripture this morning. And then lastly, 
I'll just point out these journals. They're actually sitting in the back uh, column there. Uh, But if you need a journal, we believe that writing notes down just allows us to be able to capture what the Lord is saying to us. And if you're in need of a journal, we wanted to provide something simple. This isn't expensive, but at least it helps you write down the God thoughts that he downloads to you and the truths that you can go back to so that they can be of help and of nourishment to you as you read his word. Amen? All right. Okay, so with that said, why don't we turn to your Bibles in Isaiah chapter 41, and we're going to just camp out in verse 10 this morning. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. If you're using the Bibles that are at the bottom of the seat back in front of you, uh, that's going to be page 587 on the right side at the bottom of uh, the page, okay? So page 587, if you don't know where Isaiah is, and then afterwards, I'll show you how to look up Isaiah 41.10. And so uh, over the last year, we've been in the theme of being, uh, in the Vision Builders theme of being for the city. Everybody say, for the city. And the reason why we were doing that is because we believe that God is for people. Amen? And the question that we've been challenged with in this season is this question. How will they and how will the city know that he is for them if we, the church, don't show them? So the spring semester, thank you, we wanted to equip you in this, this past spring by walking through the book of Ephesians and, and, and talk about being renewed in the spirit of our minds. And we wanted to remind you of who God has called you to be as his sons and daughters and how he, you ought to walk in this world. How many enjoyed walking through the book of Ephesians? And if you didn't, it's okay. So now that we understand his plan for renewal for our mind, we wanted to enter into a new series where we call, uh, that we're calling Recharge in God's Promises. Now, we will continue to reiterate that God is for people. And if God is for people, that means that he is for you. And at the center of his promises is this idea that he is for you. His promises keep us grounded and oriented in him. And how many of you know that we're coming, uh, we've been through a very difficult year. We've had wave after wave crash over and over us. And if we're going to be for the city, we're going to need energy to be able to rise up after such a difficult year. And the way that our, uh, just as pastors and, and even as we've been praying for you, church, and even as Pastor Zach has sought the Lord, one of the things that we wanted to do is to lead you through a time of being recharged in the promises of God. And so today, I want to talk to you specifically, and if I was to put a title to my message, uh, I want to talk to you specifically about recharge in God's promises in a time of fear. And if there's something that I believe that we need to get a grasp on is coming out of this last year is fear. Mm. And before we go into today's scripture, though, uh, I want to identify and expose this thing that we call fear because why it's been running rampant, guys. It's been, it's been affecting, um, I've seen it run rampant even among us and just in different conversations that we have had. 
It's been honestly one of uh, uh, one of the underlying or undertone topics as the overseers get together and we discuss these things. Uh, fear has been there. Fear has been has, has we've seen the grip of fear really on the church as a whole. And so when we look throughout scripture and history, we see also that we are a forgetful people. When God continually tells the people, his people in scripture, he says, remember, remember how I delivered you. Remember what I brought you through. Remember, 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 remember. And the reason why he's doing that is because we're, for, we're forgetful. And I'm including myself in there. We're all forgetful. It's not just relegated to those in scripture and the stories that we read, but it is also a very uh, relevant thing today that we forget God's promises. And so today I want to remind you of God's promises in the midst of fear. So let's read Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. And he says this, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Lord, we just thank you for your word. And we just pray that uh, you would be in the midst. Meet us here in Jesus' name. Amen. So quick, what is by far God's uh, most frequent command in Scripture? Go. Okay. I heard a lot of, if you said do not fear, you are absolutely right. God's most frequent command in Scripture is do not fear. He says do not be afraid 74 times across 70 verses. He says don't be afraid 23 times in 23 verses. He says, do not fear 17 times across 17 verses. So 114 times across 110 verses throughout of scripture, God is saying, do not fear. Now, kids, look at me. If there's one thing that if I could tell you just a little secret about school, Okay, and, and uh, family, friends, you know where I'm going. If you've been through school, you know what I'm about to say. When, when you go through school and the teacher repeats themselves one, two, three times, after that third time, here's the secret. Write down what it is that they're saying. Because when you write down what it is that they're saying, I promise you, I guarantee you, that what they are saying is going to be on the test. Mom, dad, can you say, yeah, that's true. So, uh, <laughs> thank you, crew. <laughs> and so when you go off and you study for the test, the things that you need to focus and memorize are the things that the teacher has repeated over and over and over. So if God said 114 times, do not fear, 
Don't you think that we need to write that down on a piece of paper? Don't you think that we need to write that down in our, in our bathroom mirror? Don't you think that we need to write that down on a piece of paper and put it up on our car? Don't you think it needs to be the screensaver to our phone? Don't you think that you need to send an email every single day to yourself? Just, just schedule it and say, and say, Johnny, do not fear. Because God knew that our entire lives were going to be concerned with, they were going to be confronted with, and we were going to wrestle with fear. Now, I must admit that getting, preach, getting ready for preaching today, I found myself uh, wanting to get to the point and not really examine my own fears and why they exist. I, I'm, I'm personally, honestly tempted to try to add maybe a, a new spin or a new perspective on fear, one that maybe you haven't even heard before. But that's not my goal. My goal today is for you to lose sight of self and focus your eyes and your attention on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of, the, of our faith, who is saying to you this morning, do not fear. But I think if we were honest with ourselves, fear has been such a, it's been such a part of our lives. The way that I would describe it is that it's become a familiar friend. And let's think about it. A baby who has separation, anxiety. Parents, if you had a baby during quarantine, I just want to, I just want to let you know, we see you. The reason why I say that is because I know Nancy and Angela after on Sundays, I know that they are in many ways, they got that look on their face, but, but, but at the end of the day, they said, what a joy it is to serve kids. And so, so moms, dads, if you, if you have a baby that you've been checking in and they scream their guts out, just know separation anxiety is a real thing. All of us experienced it. And I know that our kids, uh, uh, serve team members, as well as our kids staff are loving on your kids well, and just know that. We, we know that when a toddler can be afraid of the dark, a teenager who's afraid to try out for the team or the basketball team, soccer team, volleyball team, whatever it is, but a college student who is afraid that they'll make a wrong decision picking their major and they'll be stuck for the rest of their lives doing a job that they don't like. Or a young adult who's afraid that they'll never meet a spouse. This innate fear truly comes from the fact that when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened is that they hid because they were afraid. And so fear is a natural response because we live in a sinful and broken world. Now, let me say this, that fear is not always bad or it's not always evil. Fear usually, though, has a deeper meaning. I like to say that fear is the check engine light of our souls. Why? Because when, when that engine light comes on on your car, I'm speaking from experience here, when that engine light comes on, if it's not red and if it's not flashing, you say, I can still keep going. But it's telling you something's wrong. And you got to check what is going on. You got you to plug it into a device and that's going to tell you and, and the diagnostic machine and it's going to tell you exactly what is wrong. It won't fix it, but it'll tell you what's wrong. And so what fear does is that it begins to reveal that you are needy and vulnerable. It begins to uh, reveal that we essentially are not in control. 
And so when you begin to examine fear closely and you begin to listen to it and you begin to hear it speak, when you begin to focus in, you begin to hear it speak about things that have personal meaning to you. Things that you are, are, that, that you are attached to or things that you value. So for example, if you value life, you're going to fear death. If you value success, you're going to fear failure. If you value, um, if you value relationships, you're going to fear rejection or even man because you're afraid of man. But this leads me into my next point, and that's, I, I really, I'm struggling this morning because I really don't want to ask this question. Because if you're anything like me, when we start thinking about recharging in God's promises or wanting to recharge, I I wanted to avoid this question because my desire and our desire in the series is one where we want, we we are hoping for it to be hope-filled and one where you're able to recharge. And the last thing that I want to do whenever I'm recharging and sitting on the side of the beach is really take inventory of my own fear. But here's the question, and I'm going to be bold with it this morning. How has fear affected your life this past year? Selah. Pause. Consider. Break. I think if we were honest... Fear has paralyzed us, and it has paralyzed us as a society. It's caused financial markets to crash. It's caused us to go into self-preservation mode. It's caused us to lose trust in each other. It's caused us to not be neighborly because we are um, a, a, a fearing or afraid of getting sick on one hand. And on the other hand, we're afraid of maybe saying the wrong thing. It's caused us to lose boldness in our faith and our witness because we weren't sure if God could actually heal this one. Whether it be coronavirus, whether it be uh, racial divides, or whether it be your own family that you were spending a lot of time with under one roof. That's real. It has caused us to retreat into the proverbial dark room where we have a semblance of peace and safety where all is right in the world, but the presence of God is not there. And above all else, has caused us to lose sight of God's command. And it is no wonder that God tells us 114 times throughout Scripture, do not fear. But before we jump into the promises, I want to say this one last thing about the context of Isaiah, because I think it's important. Babylon had been stripped Uh, or had stripped Judah bare and had captured all of the fortified cities of the land and they led the, the, the people of God into the captivity. The land was laid waste. Judah was in exile. Things were chaotic. They had no home. They had no, no normal way of life. They were oppressed. In other words, the people of God were enduring some hard times full of fear where their entire reality and the way of life was completely disrupted. Huh. 
Sounds familiar. So what did God promise to his people? And what does he continue to promise us today as our lives have been radically disrupted? I'm glad you asked. First, he says, do not fear. I am with you. Now, when God says that, that I am with you, he is saying that his presence is with us. And we're talking about the presence of God here. And if you don't know this, church, I'm going to tell you this. God's presence is the defining difference in the life of a believer. I've said this in the past that one of the ways that I feel most encouraged is when somebody comes alongside me and says, I'm with you. When I feel like I am not alone, uh, and, and especially whenever there's difficult circumstances, because in difficult circumstances, I got two of my best friends in here, and, and, and they know that in difficult circumstances, what I tend to do is I tend to retreat and be alone. And the strategy of fear is to try to make you believe that you are alone. Ah. <sighs> And God here is directly going to the root of the problem. He is speaking and he's identifying the belief that fear tries to plant in our minds and take root in our hearts. That when we're faced with fear, what we begin to think is that we're alone and that we need to muster up our own strength and that we need courage to face the circumstances. And I actually want to identify that that is lie. That is fear speaking. And so God comes in with a powerful, compassionate, authoritative voice and speaks to the fear in isolation. And he says, do not fear. I'm with you. I'm with you. And he's saying this so that we may depend on his presence that is all sufficient for us in the worst of times and in the best of times. But when he says, I am with you, he's not saying I'm with you whenever you call to me. Although he does answer to our calls. He's saying, I'm with you when you, even, when you don't even realize it. And if you're in here this morning and you have not felt his presence in a long time or you have not felt it lately, I want to remind you, he's with you. Second, he says, do not be dismayed. I am your God. So the imagery when I get whenever he says, I am your God, is the image of a mighty warrior arrayed in battle armor, ready with a sword in his hand, ready to fight whenever I'm in trouble. And although that is also true, let's look at verse 7. I'm sorry, verse 13, and see how God wants to be viewed in this context. In verse 13, he says, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. And so the imagery is the imagery of a warrior, but a warrior who is a father. Who gets on your level and looks you in the eyes and says, I've got you. I've got you. I'm going to try something. This could be a disaster, but can I have Zane? <laughs> Come here, Bubba. Come here. You with me? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So this is, this is my youngest, Zane. Okay? So as a father to him, whenever, whenever I want to tell him, don't be dismayed. I am your God. 
The imagery is me as a father wanting to protect my son. And when I say to him, I've got you, it means this, that whenever he's crying, one of the things that I know that will pacify him and one of the things that I know would soothe him as a father, and no, maybe some of you parents, you probably are excellent at this and you know what I'm about to do, but can I have his passy? Is that when he sees this, do you, do, you, do you see what he's doing? He's, he's not even looking at anybody else. I'll just give it to him and he'll just calm down. But this is not the level, like any parent who's in here knows, okay, this can pacify a kid. But one of the things that you don't know is that anytime his blanket comes and I put it over my shoulder and I switch him over. Thank you. <laughs> the deal that I know about Zane that none of you know is that anytime his blanket gets on my shoulder, this is exactly what he does. And when the father is saying, I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. It's this imagery of a father that knows exactly what you need at the right time. And, and no one else may know what it is that you need. You, you, people may think, hey, you need a pacifier or, or you need peace or you need encouragement. But if there's one thing that God knows is that he knows those little places in your own heart where he is telling you, do not be dismayed because I am with you. I've got you. See, I'm going to stay here. To be dismayed. To be dismayed means that you are phased. He'll stay here. Uh, he, to be dismayed means that you are phased, that you're rattled, that you're dumbfounded, that you're powerless. It's the posture and the look on your face when you stare out to space. We've all been there. When you stare out in your space and you say, how in the world am I going to overcome? And God's response is the same response that God gave Moses. It's the same response that he gave to Isaiah. And it's the same response that he is, given, he is giving us today. And he is saying, I am. I am your God. I'm bigger than those that may dismay you. I am the God of the universe. And I am for you. I've got you. I hate to lose him, but here you go. Thank you, Baba. Man, that worked perfectly. Thank you, Zane. <laughs> so after, after God establishes who he is by saying, I am. So he says, he says uh, I am with you. And he says, I am your God. And then he goes into, I will. And then he says, I will strengthen you and help you. So not only does he say, I am bigger. He says, I am stronger. What does fear do? Fear knocks, knocks the wind out of our cells. It highlights your insufficiency and your vulnerability and tells you that you should cower and give in. And it steals every ounce of hope and attempts to rob you of joy and peace. Yet because God is near, he starts with your heart and he knows that when you get a devastating doctor's report, 
He knows that whenever you are in financial crisis, when you make a career move and when you're in a family crisis, he knows that what you lack is courage, is valor. And like this morning, he knows that you lack wisdom. And what he is saying when he says he will strengthen you and help you is that he's going to be the one who is going to be the inner source of strength, the inner source of power, that he is the source that we ought to plug into to be able to recharge. He is the one who is going to be the one that provides the strength to endure the difficult circumstances. So you don't need to hold it on your own. You don't need to find it within yourself. So this morning, are you weak? Then you're the perfect candidate for God to strengthen and help. As a matter of fact, he says that he is strong in your weakness. He says that, that his power is made perfect, is perfected in your weakness. So if you're standing here today, you're trying to hold on as best as you can, and you're saying, I can't give up, you're not allowing the power of God to be perfected in you. And as if that wasn't enough, he's speaking to the isolation and the loneliness that fear uh, tries to bind you up in. When he says, I will help you, he is speaking about the fact that he is with you and that he is sustaining you. And again, fear tries to make you believe that you're not alone. But the imagery here is the Hebrew word azar. Everybody say azar. It's not the same one that God uses for, for women uh, whenever he calls them the helper. That's etzer, although it's very familiar. But azar gives this implication that he is helping you the, with, with armies. That he is coming alongside you and he's strategically going against fear the way that a military, would, a, a military unit would go against the enemy. And so when he says, I will help you, he is, he is talking about a picture of, 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 of the military. And when we are weak, then he is strong and he helps us also by sending his spirit to launch an all-out assault against fear. Because when you don't know what to pray, uh, Romans chapter 8 says that the spirit helps us in our weakness and we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans and he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. Do you want to know what the will of God is for your life? Do not fear. Man. And he's lastly, he says, I will uphold you. And God's promise is to sustain you. And what does fear attempt to do? It attempts to make you believe as, you're, as if you're ready to sink or fall. It makes you throw in the towel. It says you're tired. You should give up. But fear and fear begins to make you question whether or not you're saved. Why is that? Because whenever you are faltering, one of the first things that starts going away is this thought that you can persevere. And persevere is a mark of a true believer. Why? Because fear actually comes against the little disciplines that you have built up in your life that keep you grounded. 
Fear comes, it disrupts your daily schedule because over time it begins to make you feel that you've gotten so far away from God that he is beyond reach. And I'm almost done. But let me be honest for a little bit, yeah? Is that okay? As one of your pastors, to be honest, I've been going through a very dry season these last few months. It's been so prolonged that personally, and I wrote this down because I I wanted to make sure that I articulated it correctly, that I felt that the Lord is far away. And there have been phases of time throughout this last season that I have questioned whether or not I truly believe God and truly believe his word and what he has to say. And I have felt so far away from him that my faith in God and what he is able to do has been rattled. And I wish that I could stand here before you today and say that I'm free and that I got breakthrough, but that's simply not true. But I will say this, that in getting ready for this sermon, I was able to see how, how, how the fear of being far away was keeping me from being able to draw closer to God. And getting, and getting these truths and trying to communicate to them, I just felt my heart just and my mind just opening during this time. Because what I began to sense the Lord saying to me and minister to me was that he was upholding me. He's been sustaining. And he's been there the whole time fighting for me. And I don't know if you're there, but if you're there and you can relate. He's here to hold you up. And he's here to cause you to stand. And after you have done everything, to stand. And so to end, I want to call special attention to the scope of these verses. That when God speaks here, it is to silence the fears. It's to make fear bow down and encourage the faith of his people in a time of fear and distress. And we're no different. We find ourselves in a time of fear and distress. And the tendency we have is to not recognize the implications of God being for us and being with us. But let's pay attention to the language if you haven't already. If you can put up verse 10 again on the screen. What does he say? He says, I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Guys, there is no me in I. So the greatest offense to fear is getting rid of idol of self, of trying to hold it together and recognizing that he is with us, that he is, is living in us because he is with us. And he has called us to live out our faith without fear. 
Without the fear of death, without the fear of man, without the fear of lack, without the fear of loss, we, we, we live differently and we love differently. And we recognize that in the end, our hope is not in this world, but our hope is in the return of Christ. That the dead in Christ, that, that when Christ comes back, those who are dead will rise up first and then we who remain will meet him in the sky and we will see him face to face. That is our hope. And so church, if we're going to be a people that is for the city, we have to show up differently. We have to serve differently. We have to be different because there is no more fear. So are you this morning a fearful person? Do you gravitate towards the path of least resistance? Let me submit to you that maybe it's because you've been relying on the idols or the idol of self. And here's the good news, church. And if you've never heard this before and you say, who's this Jesus? Here's the good news is that God understands that. And so he's assuring you this morning in the most emphatic way. Fear not. Live for me with audacious faith because I'm the one who helps you. So church, let's not be lulled to sleep by the lullaby of fear. Because that's what gets you to cower, to back down, to not live boldly. Let's recharge in him. Let's live for him. Let's rest in him. And he will cause us to boldly display his splendor. So I'm calling you this morning. Let's rise up out of that slumber. Let's love hard. Let's care for others really well. Let's look different. Let's be different. Why? Because the way of Jesus is a way that enters into the places that aren't safe according to our standards. And in those unsafe places, he gives us the provision of himself to embolden us. And, and, and you've got the God of the universe on your side saying, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will, uh, uh, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Here's what I want to do this morning. Is one of the ways that we recharge is to be in the presence of God. And we all know that. And if you don't know that, that's what you need to do. And so I want to provide opportunity for two things this morning. One, I'm going to ask our prayer and prophetic team to come up here. If you can go ahead and just start coming up here now. One of the things that I want us to do is to be able to pray for you this morning if you are needing courage and you're needing, you're saying, man, I, uh, you're saying, I've been in a season of fear and need someone to specifically pray with me. You're saying that I want to expose the fear and have the prayer prophetic team pray for you. And some of our staff, if you're here, go ahead. Overseers, if you're here, please come up here as well. Or if you're saying, I need to repent because I've been cowering to fear. I want to invite you. The prayer prophetic team is up here ready and willing to pray with you.
And then the second thing I want us to do, that if you're not coming up here, I want to encourage you to pray for that person that's sitting next to you. Maybe your spouse, maybe your friend, whoever that is, but I want you to pray with them. And after you're done with that person, let's pray for someone else. Because if we were all going to be honest, is that all of us have suffered in fear. We have let fear take a grip and a hold. So as the worship team begins to just minister through song, I want us to be emboldened by the Spirit of God because God is here and he's saying, do not fear, I'm with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So why don't we just stand right there where we're at so it's easier to move around. And it's also an ability for us to pray. If you are online and you're joining us online, there is a group of men and women that are ready and willing to be praying with you online. And the way that you would do that is really just a text, I need prayer to 97,000. There should be a screen that comes up and there are men and women via Zoom to help pray and, and help you in this time. church don't let's pray international style let's let's pray because our lives are dependent on uh, the Lord showing up today and ridding us of fear there are individuals around you who may be suffering because there's a sickness that they have been diagnosed with or maybe there's an issue that is going on in their family or or or, or there is financial crisis that is happening so let's just take some time church right now let's step out of the fear let's begin to minister to one another and pray for one another and if you're still there in your seat and you're saying, I, I need prayer, there's still some men and women up here that are open to be able to pray with you and pray for you. presence Lord your presence is here and we know that where the spirit of the Lord is that there is freedom and so Lord we begin to pray that you will set us free set us free from the grip of fear set us free from the grip Lord that we have been cowering to or that we have been bowing to and we put our eyes and our focus and our attention on you Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith Lord we just begin to pray for breakthrough we begin to pray for your presence to surround us Lord, I pray that you would give us courage, that you would give us, Lord, valor, that you would give us wisdom, that we would fear you above all else, that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And so, Lord, we just pray that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Church, don't get tired from praying for one another. Come on, let's enter in, church. Let's be the church this morning. 
because Jesus changes everything. In Jesus' name.